Welcome to The Momentologist. I'm your host, Dr. Mitch Ablett. When you get right down to it, the raw matter, the ingredients of our lives are moments. Those who learn to study these moments and yet stay fully engaged are what I call momentologists, meta-professionals who resonate with the now of present moments to create, connect, innovate, and lead. Join me in these conversations with authors, researchers, change agents, and influencers, and learn momentology. Learn how moments don't have to just happen to you. You can learn to study them, to make them. All right, folks, welcome to another episode. I'm very excited to have uh, Tamara Soles with me. Uh, Tamara had me on her podcast. Gosh, I, I forget when it was, uh, Tamara. I think it was a few months ago. Yeah, you know, end of November, maybe? Yeah, November. Yeah, yeah, it would have been because it was not long after my my book came out. So, yeah. so yes. Um, so let me do my intro of you before we just start chatting again like we just were. Uh, Tamara is a child clinical psychologist, um, and she also is a, let me see if I can get all this right, she is a family clinician and a child clinician, a parent coach, which is uh, much, uh, much to be admired to kind of be in all those camps. Um, she lives in uh, Montreal, if I had that correct from your website. Yeah. which is on my bucket list. I, in all of these years and living in New England, I have not made my way to, to Montreal. So, you know, maybe we'll meet in person at some that point. That would be great. Yeah, yeah wait till cool. spring. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bitter here right now. Maybe a little worse where you are. Yeah. Um, she does a lot of things in addition to being a clinician, which is something that I really wanted us to talk about as an episode of my podcast um you know you know she's in addition to been a, having been a clinician for a long time you've been in administrative roles before you've been a clinical director before as i have yeah. um you've been um you know I'm, I'm gonna you know butcher it here but you did a a program within the u.s uh, department of um uh what was it i'm, I'm blank <laughs> SAMHSA run program. Yes. Uh, called Project, I guess in the US it's called Project ABC, not Project ABC. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I heard that earlier. You said, My you accent said aside. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just a project, a project building connections between community that need access to services and also focusing on parent-child connection. So yeah. it was an early, early, early childhood stuff, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you've worn that hat in terms of project development, program development, rolling out a new program, being an administrator, being a clinician for a long time, um, private practice. Um, you know, I'm like triggering myself here as I as I talk about all this. And and more recently, and I think you've recorded a number of episodes at this point, podcast host, you know, content creator. That's right. Uh, the very, very cool uh, podcast this hour has 50 minutes, uh, which focuses in on clinicians primarily from what I, I can tell, um, psychotherapy related content, uh, but what, in a way that can really be helpful to, you know, everyday folk, not just clinicians. So it's not an academic focus podcast. Um, and that's how we met. Um, 
I, I, I'll just start us off here. You know, what you heard me talk about in my work um, when I was on your, your show was focused on kids. Mm-hmm. You know, in my work going forward, I want to take it beyond just kids to professionals. You know, you know that everybody has a prize within them. And they need to have it prized by those that they are connected with. And that prize isn't necessarily their, you know, a talent. It's not necessarily, you know, entirely genetic. It's, it's something that often develops out of pain, mm-hmm. struggle, and it needs to be seen and honored. And then it can become something more organic. It can be some, become something creative for that individual, whether it's a child or, you know, an adult, a professional. So that's a very long-winded way of starting to ask a question, like how, how was it that you may have honed in or be honing in on what your prize is as a professional? Not that it has to be just one thing or one manifestation, but what, what do you think yours is? Like, what are you discerning as you, you know, unfold in your career? That's Big a, question. It's a great <laughs> question. And I'm contemplating it as I'm <laughs> delivering my answer. But what's coming to my mind, I think, is, again, this word connection. I think that there's a reason why I focus so much on parent-child connection And it's because I feel like that's one thing that I do well with people is just connect. Mm. I can get with people and hold space for them and be with them. And of course, I'm not the right fit for everyone in terms of therapy. But in general, I find that I can connect well with people. And I think that's always been the case for me when I look back to even when I was young and I was independent from a very, very early age. Yeah. And I think part of my survival mechanism as a kid for everything that I dealt with was being able to connect with people, whether that was teachers who were going to support me or friends, parents who were going to help take care of me in certain ways. And yeah. so that connection piece, I think, has been what has carried me through both my personal life and my professional life. That very, that's very cool. Very well said, too. You know, let me let me ask you, how young do you think you were when you first realized, and you may not have used the word connection, but that this is your thing and this is what you need to keep doing? You said a survival mechanism. And yet, how, when did you like really start, oh yeah, this thing, this like theme, I got, I got to keep doing stuff around this. This is what I'm going to do somehow. I don't think I made that explicit in my mind, probably until even graduate school, really Really? looking back and making that, that connecting those dots. But I do know that I loved being with kids. Even as a kid, I was the kid who was trying to babysit the kid who was two years younger than I was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was six. I'm trying to hold the four-year-old. And so I knew that I loved nurturing I knew that I loved connecting and so I think I always thought of it more as a child I was very aware of it from a from a nurturance perspective how I framed it then and then as I got older and I looked at some of the factors that 
contributed to what I felt like were my successes in life. I recognize them now through the lens of connection, um, but I think I saw them more as being able to um, to nurture others and actually elicit nurturing from others as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was was there ever a period? I know you know you know not to do too much analyzing of you. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm curious, and we know each other a little bit, so yeah. I feel okay to ask. Like, yeah. you know, was there ever a point at which you felt like you connected too much, like you overfelt others. You know, one thing I think about, and I've read a little bit of the research, is people that end up deep connectors and then create as connection. Mm-hmm. They they often are like so exceedingly empathic naturally that it can fry them up until they learn how to manage that. So I'm just curious. No, I completely agree. And I've often said that people who talk about keeping your work life separate, you know, especially as a therapist, like how to not take that home. And I always say, like, let me know because (laughs) I take it home. I I always have. And I always, you know, when I say that I carry my clients with me, I carry them with me. I have learned over time how to do that in a way that's not um, negatively impacting me. But part of what I have had to do is actually shift some of the nature of the work that I do. So for Mm. example, when I lived in LA, I lived in LA for six years or so. And the population that I worked with in LA, it was a population dealing with a lot of extremes, extreme poverty, extreme trauma, extreme everything. And those families, while I so valued that work and derived so much satisfaction and fulfillment from that work. I knew personally that when I had my own kids, I could no longer do that work because I knew it would take so much of me. And I wanted to be able to continue to give that much because I felt like that made me successful, but to do that would mean I would have nothing left for my own children. And so for me, it was making that shift and saying, okay, it's not that I maybe I get a little bit better at, um, I don't want to say making less deeper connections because that's not it, but I get a little bit better at managing the impact of those deep connections over time and with experience. But also I do that partly by adjusting how often I work with clients in general and the type of clients that I work with. And of course, I still work with trauma and I still work with a lot of extremes. I mean, we can't be without ever working with those things nope but it's much more intentional now that I have a different set of circumstances in my own life I I think there's a lot in there that you said that you've made choices around boundaries as to what work you take on what you no longer take on the the thing that I've been saying to myself and trying to practice in addition to those boundary choices is uh making a shift in my framing and what I'm uh, experiencing so that is this empathy or is this compassion that I'm showing up to? You know, am I overfeeling this as if I am their, their pain mm-hmm. or am I kind of seeing their pain, feeling it? And yet I'm kind of with it, but I'm also with what's happening. I'm with my needs and I can kind of keep a little bit of space, which yeah. I would call compassion. 
Yeah, I think that's such a valuable point because I think many of us become therapists because we were the caretaker of other people's feelings when we were younger. And I think I have come to learn and still need to remind myself regularly that I can be with somebody without being responsible for their emotions. Yeah. And, and that is a part of it. I think, you know, when I, when I was a a new kind of postdoc doing this intense work and you feel, you know, passionate and excited about how you can help and diving right in. I think that is a lesson that I had to learn of how to shift from that empathy to compassion. And I would often say in supervision, when, when I was in the point of being a supervisor, I would often ask my clinicians, are you holding their hand or carrying them on your shoulders? And Ooh, that's really, that's really, a, well, I like that image. That's really thank good. You. Yeah. And so that image for me was very helpful and it's still very helpful, both in my personal life and my professional life. And so I try to keep that in mind. So like you're saying that that shift in frame is essential. I'm going to steal that, but I'll give you credit for it. I really, I really like All that. Yours. That's powerful. <laughs> That's powerful. I, I have to do this because I, I pulled your bio off your website. Yeah. Um, and you talked about, you know, connection as your, I would call it your compass heading. Yeah. Right. You know, your true north. Yeah. And you have one of the most brilliant like bio statements on your website. I'm serious. Oh, thank and, you. Yeah. No. And. Because, you know, we're going to talk more now about like becoming like a content creator, you know, podcast, book, you know, blog, you know, whatever. Um, And how one pivots to that and how you maintain yourself, your true self, right? This is the best way to do it, I've seen. So in her bio, you know, she says, you're like, okay, which part of it is he going to read now? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you can guess, you know, uh, who better to ask to describe the, describe me than my children. I asked them to share what they would want people to know about me and my work. And here's what they said. She's great. She's kind and gentle. She's cool. She's a psychologist. She has a special place in her heart for kids. And her website is kids.com. And then you have in parentheses, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, when I read that, I'm like that, I circled it. That's awesome. And, and that is, that's just it. Right. I think think you capture a lot, at least for me in that, like, that's authentic. Yeah. That's not a AI generated, you know, profile thing for like LinkedIn that people are doing now, where they're using software that have AI embedded in it to write the ideal bio statement to have impact on social media and whatnot if they want to be an influencer quote unquote right right right. no ai is going to come up with that (laughs) at least not if it if it if it does we're in serious trouble exactly no i appreciate your your compliments and you know that that was a genuine conversation i had with my children and that is what they said um, I think they have since learned my website, hopefully, so they can market better. But, um, you know, that actually came from the shift to content creator. You know, I had my bio on my clinic website that this clinic that I run, the secure child, and I read my own bio and I thought, 
well, what does that say about me? Like it, you know, I don't think clients care where I went to school, where I got my degree, where I did my postdoc. They yeah. want to know what I'm going to be like in the room. And yes. I could see that over years of clinical work when I would get comments about, you know, and they might seem silly, but it would be things like a parent saying, I knew my daughter would love your long hair, or I knew, you know, <laughs> when you did this, that they would like that. And I realized they're not caring about my so-called credentials. They just want to know what's it going to be like when I show up in this room, which is already a daunting process. And what's this person going to be like? And yeah. so I thought devoid of personality, that's not a helpful, you know, representation of who I am. So I felt like when I wrote this bio and I wrote it as a sort of catalyst to my shift in content creation, I wanted it to reflect who I was and my children yes, are yep. very important to me. And, you know, I also value my children's ideas very much and respect them and ask them because I had a feeling they probably would come up with something that was reasonably useful. Yes. Um, but also, I think it reflects that I tend to be relatively lighthearted and try to use humor. And so I appreciate you highlighting that because it yeah. really did come from that shift to becoming content creator that it took me to realize, well, if I'm going to put myself out there in a different way, that's beyond what we've been trained for, so to speak, yeah. as clinicians, how do I want to rewrite the script? How do I want this to look? And how do I want myself to be viewed by others? I, I think it's awesome. And I you know, obviously totally agree with you. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to make a bold statement that other clinicians listening to this might be pissed at me, but oh, well, um, they can, they can email me or whatever. That's right. I, because I, it, it was, you know, very true and still is to some degree for me as a, you know, psychologist over time, there's an inherent insecurity that, clinicians have professionals have psychology whatever your role in our field and yeah. how you present yourself to the public there's an inherent whether you're admitting it or not mm -hmm. how you're presenting yourself to the public can often have an insecurity component to it such that it it needs to you need to blast people with you know you know letters after your name yeah. um you know a, a cv that is goes on and on and on i honestly can't remember last time i updated my cv yeah. you know I, I you know and it's not that these things aren't important training's important yeah you know you know having having degrees is important and yet i think what you and i are, are encountering that when particularly potential patients are reaching out to find out about us yeah they want to know that we have credentials but then who is this person? Yeah. Do I, you know, like if it's, if we're around their kids, do, am I going to trust this person with my children? Yeah. Right. And their, their inner well being and their behavioral well being and, and, you know, their heart. You know, and I, I, I just, I think they want to have a sense of who we are. Yeah. 100%. And I say that also, you know, as, a psychologist who has also been on the other side and, and sought out therapy. And I can see the pattern in who were the therapists that I connected with best and what was it 
that I knew about them that helped me feel comfortable. And so using both sides of the, of the room, so to speak, the couch and the chair uh, to, to inform my work for sure. You know, my daughter said to, to me, uh, she's 11 and she's pretty savvy <laughs> and uh, she does listen to my podcast. So she'll hear this. Um, you know, she said, uh, <laughs> She she said she looked at something I created for, you know, content creation. It was like a new header for like, you know, a course or something. Yeah. And she's like, um, Daddy might want to change that. It's too much Mitch on it. <laughs> and she noted my name and she noted that, you know, that had like my headshot, but then I had another little headshot embedded in the, the banner. And she's like, that's too much Mitch. And I'm like, that's all, that's it. That's, that's totally it. You need that. That's good feedback. <laughs> right. So when, when, what, what sparked for you around shifting toward, I want to, I want to take what I have learned as a clinician, as a, you know, someone who's supervised, trained, you know, created like, you know, programs to, to roll out. And now I want to create like podcast related content and start rolling that out to a wider audience. What, yeah. what was that process like? I think in part, it was to protect my own mental health. I was wanting to be rejuvenated by something and, you know, I love my clinical work, but at the same time wanted some novelty and um, I wanted to do something that was just a little bit um, outside of my usual scope and, and box. And I had had the idea for doing a podcast for a while. At the time when I initially thought of it, there weren't a ton of therapy related podcasts out there. And I liked the idea of connecting with other psychologists and therapists, especially in a little bit more um, lighthearted or irreverent way and you know but still meaningful and I think that's the thread that kind of goes through all of my work I try to you know tackle big things but still in a way that is fun and accessible and and you know, palatable I suppose for yeah. lack of a better word and so when you know before COVID I had I think my husband had given me the microphone sort of, he knew I had been researching it and I tend to over-research everything. So I think yeah. I had spent a year in the planning phase as opposed oh, to wow. just getting it done. And yeah. so he had finally bought the mic. And then when COVID hit, like many people, I had the mic, I had all this planning and I thought enough is enough. This is your chance. Like do it yes, now yes. and, and just jump on. And so it was great. You know, again, it's an exercise for me of just do the thing sometimes. Yes, you know? yes. just and, do it. Uh, just do it. And, and I loved it. And of course I learn as I go. And I think I'm, you know, 39, 40 episodes in now and uh, still learning, of course, but I love it. And I just love talking to other clinicians about the things that light them up. And I learn by extension but just being able to talk about things that people are passionate about. And, you know, I try to talk about things that I feel like are not talked about enough. So whether that's neurodiversity or whether that's, you know, parenting from a particular lens or whatever it might be, just being able to highlight those things excites me. Mm. And, 
you know, and I like the nitty gritty of it. I like the editing, although I, I hate having things to do. <laughs> I yeah, yeah, yeah. a long to-do list, but I enjoy that piece of it. And I enjoy learning about it. I enjoyed learning about platforms. I enjoyed learning about, you know, the microphones. And I think that's why I do research for so long is I enjoy that, that piece of it. Cool. So yeah, so it's been fun for sure. Yeah, I, I think the word that you didn't necessarily, I don't remember you using in there, but I would throw out is, yeah. you know, it gave you a new way to connect certainly and facilitate yes, connection which i i could i mean i've done a number of interviews over the years yeah. as the interviewee and i mean you and i have interviewed as clinicians you know thousands of interviews at this point i would imagine but yep. you know, there's something different about these kind of interviews yeah and you know i i just have to say not many that have interviewed me you know have facilitated that like yeah, you know, that connective nugget that, you know, clearly you had done a bit of prep. You did more prep than I normally do as evidenced <laughs> by, I, I totally lost track of the government agency that you had done a project for. Right. Okay. Um, but you know, the, you know, you had prepped, you, you knew about my book yeah. and yet you didn't just like do it as like a, like, this is the thing that you're supposed to do as a podcaster mentioned the uh, you know, the guest book and then, you know, jump into whatever agenda that, you know, you had or think that things that you thought listeners would find cool. Yeah. That you were really resonating with me. And I think that actually is the best thing about podcasting, you know, anyway, is that people kind of going back to what you were saying before, people don't necessarily want as much around the credentials. Yeah. I don't even think they always want as much in terms of like the expert content. Mm -hmm. They want presence. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, one thing that was interesting for me is that when I started the podcast, you know, I had done all this research, as I said, about the platforms and everyone said, turn the video off if you're going to use zoom to record and it'll affect your audio. And I thought, okay, maybe it is affecting my audio, but it's affecting my connection more. And so pretty much off the bat, I think I only maybe recorded a couple with no video on. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, fine, I'll sacrifice some audio bandwidth if it's even really noticeable. It's, you know, I'm not an audiophile, so it's not to my ear, yeah. but to me, it was lacking the connection. And this is what I'm here for. And this is what I'm enjoying. And so I didn't want to do it devoid of that. that that's an important point. I haven't heard a, another podcaster mention that. You know, I, I, I think it's crucial. I'll only, I default to having the video on. Yeah. And it's only when somebody tells me that they want the video off. Right. It, but I, I fight an urge to push back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? You know, yeah. you know, I, I get that you don't want to have to put yourself together necessarily. You want to sit in your PJs or, you know, whatever the deal is, but really, yeah. but, you know, and that's only been a couple of times. Most people are just, they'll, they may ask, like, are you going to post any video of this? And I haven't, I don't, you know, some people do like video clips of their podcast episodes, but I, I don't have the time at this point to invest that much in yeah. pulling out the video clips to then have it on Facebook or Instagram or whatnot. And, you know, yeah. maybe, but 
Yeah, uh, you know, so I just I think that's really important the uh, being able to quasi be in the room. Yeah. To really have that more authentic connection. You know, I yeah. I, I think it's crucial in creating Definitely. really meaningful content for people. Yeah. And because, as I said, you know, because it really started as a project out of interest, you know, I had, I had no expectations of monetizing it, you know, initially, it's not to I'm a business person It's not to say that I haven't thought now about what the best ways of doing that are. And I have settled on something that I feel like works for me. But it was for my own enjoyment and connection and belief that other people would enjoy it as much as I did and so being able to create it in a way that lit me up and showcases the other person you know as much as possible that's what I wanted to do and so I was less concerned about is the audio perfect and you know obviously we try to do the best we can but I'd rather have great content than great audio (laughs) I, I, I I'm right there with you and maybe that's just me um, and not you, me, and the lazy side. Exactly. But, you know, but yeah. I, I think we're at the same same wavelength that the content is really what's going to resonate, not the technical parameters. Like if it's like people have told me that my intro to my my podcast that I recorded, I think it was before this mic, right. was a little like tinny or or whatever. Okay. And I believe them, <laughs> but I haven't taken the time yet to go back and re-record it yeah. because I'm more interested in just what, what time I have to dedicate to this yeah. let's record another episode let's have another like you know good conversation with someone that might be meaningful versus yeah. getting lost in the weeds of Final Cut Pro around the editing stuff or yeah. you know whatever yeah so. yeah I completely agree <laughs> so you know I, I as you as you keep rolling this out are you having ideas of other things that you, you don't have to say what they are. Yeah. And I have some ideas for you that we're going to talk about off, off the record before I, I go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but do you find yourself just like in principle, like, Oh, wow, this, this has been so cool. This has been this organic process. Now I'm having this idea. Now I'm having that idea. Yeah. You know, that may, may not have arrived otherwise. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think for me, one thing that I don't know if it's been a result of COVID or if it was mostly a result of my mindset shift of saying, I want to have more flexibility in my time. And I want that for several reasons, you know, one of which being that both my parents are getting older and my children, you know, are still young and still they're eight and, you know, still need me in all kinds of different ways. And so I wanted more flexibility in my time and I wanted to work smarter, not harder as the you know saying goes. And so I really have found that I keep generating ideas and sometimes to my own detriment because <laughs> I keep taking on new projects. But you know, for me with the podcast, I had looked at the traditional ways of monetizing and, and ads and and, you know, buy me a coffees or Patreons and all of those things. And none of them, and I don't begrudge anyone for doing that. None of them just felt like the way that I wanted to do it, just the path that I wanted to take. And so it occurred to me that, you know, we're providing not just entertaining content, but really important content and, you know, for clinicians particularly. So 
I had just um, recently received approval to have the to be a sponsor of continuing education for the Canadian Psychological Association. So now those episodes will be able to be available for psychologists in that realm. And so, yeah, you know, the more that I do, the more ideas I have of not even just related to monetization, but just what I can do with these different, you know, exciting activities. And I enjoy that creativity, even if it means I keep giving myself more work to do. (laughs) Well, you said it a while ago, um, and it was the case for me as well, you know, not just with podcasting, but writing books and, you know, the card decks that I publish and co-publish with my friend, Chris Willard, uh, who you should meet if you haven't at some point, he's a good dude. Uh, I hope he's listening to this, but, um, um, you know, I, I also needed something for my own kind of rejuvenation, my own like yeah. sanity Yeah. and creating has always been a compass heading for me mm-hmm. going back to when I was little connecting as well. There are three words that are in my compass, uh, creation, connection, aiming to impact others. Uh-huh. And if I'm doing all three with one activity, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. But I, I was like, I need, you know, private practice during COVID 35 patient hours a week, Yeah, you know, frying me up, you know, and then wanting, feeling that kind of call to create more. Yeah. But personally, it's like, I, I need a, I need something that connects me with others, Yeah. but also is creating stuff that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's been, I think there are a lot of people out there that are in our field or they're in some other field where they're interested in their sanity and they're interested in helping others. You know, there's something about taking that leap, even if it never becomes like a major income source, there are a lot of indirect benefits. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, I think for me, being able to recognize that there are a lot of ways that we can impact people in this world, not despite the fact that we're psychologists, but because of the fact that we're psychologists, we often maybe get caught up in this need to serve in a specific way. And I think during COVID in particular, when the needs were so high and certainly here in Montreal, of course, like many places, the need for mental health services just shot up and there's never enough clinicians to go around. And I did have to reconcile that in my brain. Like, what does it mean that I'm reducing clinical hours during a time when they're needed more than ever? But I had to reconcile that and say, well, I need to be in a place where I can serve people. And I can't do that if I'm sticking to a an approach that's not working for me. And that, like I said, there are many ways for us to advocate for mental health and it can be professionally with other clinicians. It can be through writing. It can be through podcasting, through books, you know, your card decks, which are amazing. All of these different ways that we can affect change and advocate for mental health that utilize our skill sets and, and our strengths and passions that don't have to be wedded to direct service. And so, you know, I had to do a bit of that reconciliation for myself, especially in the current climate, but I feel good about how I've landed on that. And, you know, one of the directions that I took was creating, you know, courses for parents as well. And again, I think about 
How does it serve multiple needs? And when I work with families, one of the things that I try to do is try to help them use this sort of Venn diagram of needs, like where do their needs overlap with their child's needs? Mm. And so I do the same thing in this realm. Like if I'm creating this, this product, right, this course for parents, how do I make sure that it's serving both my needs and their needs? And if it can do that, then that feels heart-centered and authentic to me. Yes. And that feels good. I, and what's the name of your course that you're, that you're rolling out? It is No More Power Struggles, Using Positive Parenting and the Power of Connection to Help Children Thrive. Oh, wow. No More Power Struggles. Yeah. I need me some of that with my kids, in case my daughter's listening. Yes. (laughs) No, that's really cool. And and when is it? When is it going to launch? So I've launched twice before, but the next launch is going to be in spring. So it'll probably be about the end of April, beginning of May that it'll launch again. So this is an important thing for anyone out there that's thinking about or has been creating content. You know, I've been starting to dabble in the course creation thing. Everyone's like, oh, you got to create a course. Yeah. Um, And, you know, a lot of people are doing it and you... You see these things like these like online summits for content creators and they have people on that are, you know, I made, you know, six, seven figures in 30 right. days, you know, all of this stuff. And you know, okay, okay, there's a there's a sales marketing thing in here, right? Yep. And they're 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 playing to my desires to, you know, have this grow. Yeah. Right. Sure. And you know, and, and oh, I, you know, I, I wish I had the like the angle that they have where they, you know, I don't know if you've thought about this before. Some people, they are the influencers and content creators around influencing and content creating. Yeah. It's like this guy that I won't say his name, but I read a couple of his books years ago, long before the internet, like course creation stuff took off. Mm-hmm. And he was like the ultimate consultant about consulting. Right. And I'm like, you know, how brilliant is that? Like <laughs> marketing wise. But my point is that trying to force yourself into that, you know, you know, that way of thinking yeah. takes you away, in my opinion, from the authentic, you know, the authenticity of what your prize may actually be. Yeah. And then it ends up, fallen flat, which has happened for me in content creation. I tried to make something that intellectually seemed like it was really going to be, it's going to take off. This has happened. I don't know how many times I have to touch the hot stove. Right. And I I think it's the fallibility of being a, you know, you know, a person with feelings. Um, And yet how to learn that a, that's okay mm-hmm. to try, but when you try to force that outcome, you yeah. may be straying from something. I don't know, I'm not really asking a question here. I'm, I'm making no, a comment. It's, it's very uh, valid. For me, when I decided to do this course creation thing, it came in part because, you know, I'm seeing longer and longer wait lists everywhere. And, you know, one of the things that I had done at the hospital where I worked in LA was, create a group that parents could participate in while on the wait list so that they could actually get some support and skills. 
it doesn't really work that way exactly in private practice, but I wanted to be able to find a way to deliver content to families that maybe could make like huge shifts while, you know, while either waiting or even just, you know, people who were maybe not at the point of seeking out a psychologist necessarily, but still needed support. And I'm sure that you experience this to some degree as well, but given the particular niche that I work in clinically, there's a lot of the same material that comes up, right? right. And when I'm talking about parenting and discipline from a, you know, brain-based perspective, a lot of the same things are going to come up. So it seemed very suitable to an online course, one that I give my own, you know, I have live Q and A's along the way. So they have access to me and can ask questions and, and clarify things. And so it made a lot of sense, but because I was new to this entirely and had no idea how to go about it. Of course, I did my research, as I already mentioned, I'm prone to do, and found a person leading this, you know, teaching their system. And yeah. of course, their system, their method is very specific and very detailed. And I found that, you know, that was really helpful in terms of giving me a framework to then deviate from. <laughs> yes. So I used that for my first launch. I used it more or less to the letter. And then with a few tweaks that I knew were obvious to me that weren't good fits. In my second launch, I was able to say, okay, that's the template that I was taught. Now, how do I modify this to meet my needs? And so I look at the sales sequence of, you know, the emails that go out and yes. yeah, I don't feel comfortable with the X number of emails in X way or whatever it is. And yeah. so once I had the comfortability of, you know, feeling a little bit more settled in these waters, then I can play around and make it more me. So definitely that's come with a little bit of experience. And I'm sure this time around also, it will be um, even more authentically me. But I felt like I needed something from which to dive off of <laughs> to begin yeah. with. Yeah, I, I think the authenticity piece is crucial. And I, I love hearing that you've done this kind of iterative, iterative process. Yeah. And, you know, but asking yourself, what what is authentic to me? Yeah. Versus what is it that might hit the market? Yes, right. And, and, and I, I, that's where I've gotten burned. Yeah. And, you know, like my own shift in recent months I would say is away from so much of the like let me do what marketing people have suggested in terms of me blasting out you know marketing copy laden email yeah and let me just return to you know not none of no, like no emailing out right yeah. but let me focus more on connecting with people yeah exactly. giving to people and then you know you know finding ways to have that be you know specific content that is me as i connect with people organically yeah and for me it's like helping you know going forward i think it's professionals who want to you know they want to do something in their career mm -hmm. but they're not sure exactly what or there's lots of stuff getting in the way yeah. and you know how to how to go at it and, yeah. and bringing groups of people together, you know, like a mastermind kind of program is what I've been yeah. envisioning. Yeah. And, and I just, I just think that that's just more me. Exactly. That's more me. 
Yeah. So I, I, I love this. I love that you've got that course. There are a lot of parenting courses. Yep. You know, I've thought about doing a parenting course. I'll make sure it's distinct from yours. <laughs> but, but you that's know, the beauty, right? It will be because it's you, right? Well, so that, that's just it. Automatically, it's going to be different. And yes, I can, you know, if you go on Facebook at any given time, yes, I'll see ads for these other parenting courses constantly. And I'm happy for their success, right? I, I really work hard not to have a scarcity mindset around this type of work, right? That there yes, is a yes. lane for all of us. There is unique, you know, aspects that we can each bring. And, you know, your course would be great. Another, you know, person's course would be great. They can all be great. They can all be similar. They can be different, but they're going to be inherently unique because of who each of us is. And yeah, that's it. That's, that's all it. I try to focus on, right? Just, you know, it's not competition. It's just, you know, this is, this is my lane. And, you know, as you said, trying to focus on the connection piece, when I send out my weekly emails to my email list, the ones that I get the most response from, and I'm sure this is rather predictable, are the ones where I have told a story. And I have told the story usually about my own parenting or my own children. Every once in a while, my husband gets thrown under a bus or two. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> With his consent and permission. But, um, you know, those ones where I talk about my family or when I messed up or needed to remind myself of the things that I'm trying to convey to them, those are the things that get the most reaction. And it's not the salesy, salesy scarcity mindset of like, this is closing. You'll never get this again. And, yes. um, you know, that, that tactic doesn't work. And I think going back to your point, even with the course, I deliver them. I follow the approach of I do a free webinar initially and then talk about the course at the end. And I think in the beginning, I, I made sure that there was value in that course, but I was very kind of very specific that the that the free course was focused on sort of mindset shifts and not so much strategies, but mindset shifts. And then that the strategies came in the course. And the last time I decided you know what, there's so much content in the course already. Let's just give them a ton of it for free. Yes. And it gives them a sense of how I work, what I do. And if they really like it, they will, they'll join the course if they need to. Right. Yeah. But so even just shifting that, giving away more of myself and these ideas and not holding back is actually, I find more helpful um, to connecting with, with my clients or, or people that I want to work with. I, I think that's it. It's it's interesting how you and I are kind of arri arriving at some of these same themes. And I, I would like to see more people do that, right? That whether they're in our field or not, if they're running to create content, you know, like I'm, I'm going to start a YouTube channel, which I've always hesitated from, you know, to do. Yeah. Um, for that very reason, I was afraid that I'd be giving away too much of my like intellectual property that way. Yeah. yeah. And I'm at, I'm at the point where it's like, no, just give. Yeah. And you know, if people are resonating, they're not resonating to this like intellectual property thing. Yeah. They're resonating to me. That's right. That's right. So, you know, I'll put tons of it out there and people can sit there and binge it if they are so delusional to do so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I, I want to respect your time. This has been awesome. You know, we are definitely going to continue chatting, you know, because there's yeah. a there's a there's a lot of 
you know, co-creative vibe here. Yeah. So, so yes, I, 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 I love hearing about what you've been doing and how you've arrived at it. So thank you. Oh, thank you. This is a pleasure. I mean, I loved having you on my podcast and appreciated it so much and, and just love this opportunity to talk to you more. So thank you for having me. All right. Take care. You too. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. I hope you found things of benefit here. If so, please consider giving the show a positive review. Such feedback is not only great to hear, um, it also really helps elevate the show so that others can find benefit from it. Please stay tuned. More episodes and great guests on the way so that we can together discover these true life prizes in daily life. Take care.